of the biggest party of the summer, and it's the season finale of Brandon's World here on this Tuesday, August 8th. 2023, and you already know what we're talking about. You already know where all my social medias are. You already know we're in collaboration with the one and only Voltage Live. So let's get right into it. Breaking down the biggest party of the summer, SummerSlam, which took place in Ford Field, the first WWE event in Ford Field since WrestleMania 23. That took place on Saturday night, and we already knew what the first match of the show was going to be, and that was going to be Ricochet against the Maverick Logan Paul. And these two delivered one of the best matches of the night, as expected. It was just what we expected. A bunch of flips, a bunch of dives, including an incredible attempt of a Spanish fly off the ring apron, you know, onto the floor, as well as Ricochet delivering a Spanish fly to Logan Paul, which Logan Paul in his face on the concrete. It also featured Logan Paul doing an incredible dive from the middle rope halfway across the ring. It featured Ricochet doing 630s, acrobats, you know, standing moonsaults, everything he could think of to put away Logan Paul, but he could not put the Maverick away. And then Logan Paul leaning into his heel tactics using one of his buddies, to put brass nuts on him to eventually hit Ricochet with that one lucky shot while the referee's back was turned, allowing Logan Paul, who has now fully picked up being a heel in the WWE, to earn a victory. Now, I'll say this. I don't think Ricochet, you know, really came out of it looking like a main event player. I think Ricochet is really mid. Uh, I think he's a flip guy. I think he's an Iowa guy. Like Logan Paul has said throughout the feud, I think Ricochet is a TikToker. I think Ricochet is more made for tag teams. That's why Logan Paul mocked him during this match by doing a Braun Strowman power slam. Uh, I think Logan Paul is more of a star now than Ricochet will ever be. I think Logan Paul is an attraction. People hate him, uh, but he gets this business. And Logan Paul was born and made to be a heel in this business. And if Pat McAfee ever comes back, I truly do believe that Logan Paul and Pat McAfee would be a perfect feud because everybody loves Pat. They hate Logan Paul. Lumber ate him, and I did not like Logan and Jake Paul at first when they first burst out the scene. I'm not even the biggest fan of Jake Paul, but Logan Paul has earned my respect. I was a little skeptical, obviously, when he came in and did the tag team match with Miz against the Mysterios at WrestleMania 38. But ever since, man, Logan Paul has had zero bad matches. You know, the tag team at 38, the match against the Miz, the match against Roman Reigns, the match against Seth Rollins the money in the bank, and now the match against Ricochet. He's had six matches in WWE, four singles matches, a tag team match, and then obviously the money in the bank. And every time that dude gets in the ring, Lumber ain't him, he puts on a show. Mad respect to those guys for having one of the matches of the night. The next match, which I was surprised they put it on this early in the show, was Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar. Now, they did not add a stipulation in this match, which they could have certainly did, as obviously the rubber match between Brock and Cody. Brock did not focus on the arm as much as I thought he was going to going into this match. 
The focus here was really just brutalizing Cody Rhodes, giving him suplex after suplex, F5 on the outside, F5 for the announce table. Cody Rhodes not ever really getting out of the blocks. It was almost Brock versus John Cena, SummerSlam 2014-esque, with Brock Ellen Cody just to stay down. But Cody would not give up. He would not give in. He would deliver multiple disaster kicks. He would deliver a Cody cutter. And then multiple crossroads with Brock Lesnar's shorts uh, completely ripped in half for the American Nightmare to finally overcome the beast Brock Lesnar. Now, as I've been saying over the course of the last few weeks, to me, it's very obvious. Unless, obviously, there's another certain superstar who is not doing Hollywood because of the writer strike and uh, who is available. It is pretty freaking obvious to me uh, that WWE wants to do Cody versus Roman 2 at WrestleMania 40. And you have Cody Rhodes go through what John Cena went through against The Rock after WrestleMania 28. Obviously, going against Brock Lesnar. Then Cena went against CM Punk. Then Cena went for the downfall of the Dolph Ziggler Big E thing. Uh, Cena had to go for Alberto Del Rio a couple of times. Like, he just could not win any big match until he eventually got the win at the Royal Rumble in 2013 and got his redemption against The Rock. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know if Cody goes back-to-back -back in the Rumble for the first time since Stone Cold Steve Austin did it. I don't know if he has to win in the Elimination Chamber. They probably will feed Cody Rhodes to an Amos or somebody or another heel, you know, maybe an Austin Theory, maybe a Gunther. Who knows? Uh, but I think Cody Rhodes going to have to go through some bigger names here, and then eventually he will get back to the Tribal Chief Roman Reigns. Now, after the match, Brock Lesnar, apparently, according to Triple H, did a complete unplanned spot where he gave Cody Rhodes a handshake. He essentially passed the torch to the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes, saying that he could be the new face of WWE, which for Lesnar to give that sign of respect to Cody Rhodes means that Lesnar cares. And this was a pretty long match. You know, and Lesnar gave the beatdown to Rhodes, but he let Rhodes get his offense in too. And Lesnar does not put a guy over, unless you're a Seth Rollins, unless you're a Roman Reigns, unless you're an Cody Rhodes, unless you're, you're a Drew McIntyre. You know, Lesnar does not put people over unless he truly believes in you as a talent and you've earned your scars. And that was a big sign of respect there. I believe a real sign of respect, not just a cape-faved sign of respect between the Beast and the American Nightmare. Now, the next match, yeah, featured L.A. Knight, yeah, who we all knew was going to win the Slim Jim Battle Royal, yeah. Of course, the likes of Sheamus, Tommaso Ciampa, I thought that they had a good showing, Bronson Reed, Kyrian Cross, AJ Styles, Alpha Academy, Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, and a returning Amos, by the way, who had a good spot there where he picked up Riddle, and I believe Cameron Grimes as well, uh, and just took them each with one hand and threw them over the top rope. Uh, oh, Cruz was the first one out, which usually means it's a bad sign for your future. But, you know, there wasn't really a bum in this match. Uh, most of them, you know, were guys, uh, you know, J.D. McDonough, 
was also tossed out, by the way, by Amos pretty quickly. Uh, we have not seen him a lot on television. But these were mostly guys that have, you know, been in sort of lower-level to mid-card feuds on both Raw and SmackDown. Obviously, Austin Theory, United Champion, Santos Escobar. So there was some good talent uh, in this match. These were for people that, you know, the men that could not get on the card, they had this match. WWE got a big payday from Slim Jim, but as I said in my preview, this was mostly to get L.A. Knight yeah, on the card. And I'm here to say that more than Seth Rollins, more than Jey Uso, and more than Roman Reigns, I believe, there were more L.A. Knight shirts in the crowd than anything, and L.A. Knight might have got the biggest pop. Uh, and I'm thinking, and I may, you know, end up, you know, talking about this a little bit more when we come back from hiatus. If LA Knight keeps this momentum going, we talk about the Rock potentially dethroning Roman Reigns. We talk about Cody Rhodes potentially dethroning Reigns. Is it possible LA Knight is so popular they have to put the major world championship on him? Maybe he goes to Raw and, and he, you know, takes down Damian Priest. When he eventually catches him money in the bank, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But LA Knight, you cannot hold back his momentum anymore. He is over Roman Reigns. He's over Seth Rollins, in my opinion, right now, as the most over wrestler in WWE and maybe in all of sports entertainment. Now, the next match, I'll be honest, was again the one that I was looking forward to the least. Uh, it was not very good. Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, MMA rules. I did like how they made it sound like, you know, it's a real UFC fight. Except obviously there was no rounds. Uh, it was a non-sanctioned WWE match. You had to win by knockout or submission. And Ronda tried, you know, some body shots and he tried her submissions. But ultimately in the end, Shayna Baszler made Ronda Rousey pass out in the Coquita Quatch. Exactly what I predicted as Ronda Rousey is now out of WWE. She passes the torch to Shayna Baszler, who may get on a roll. And, you know, as I said, she may eventually now get a push and may be in line eventually to face Rhea Ripley for the Women's World Championship over on Raw. If they move her to SmackDown, she could be the one to take out the champion over there, which, again, we'll get to. Uh, but I think, you know, it's a nice passing the torch around to Rousey. We'll see if Shayna Baszler can ever recapture some of that momentum she had in 2020 when she was challenging Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Can Triple H book her back to NXT, Shayna Baszler? We shall see. Now, Drew McIntyre and Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. And I got to be honest here, this match started off really slow for me. Uh, this was not as good as I expected. I thought it was a good match. I, I had expectations, to be honest with you. Maybe it's on me, but I thought it was going to be a better match than what it turned out being. Uh, Gunther showing his athleticism, climbing to the top row multiple times and delivering multiple splashes to McIntyre was impressive. Uh, the punishment that McIntyre gave Gunther, I thought was on the next level. You know, with an early Glasgow kiss, uh, the throws in the corner, the eventual Claymore that I called Gunther kicking out of, as Gunther now becomes only the second superstar in history, um, I, I believe, to kick out of a Claymore. There's only been a few. You know, Roman Reigns, 
uh, Gunther, maybe Brock Lesnar. Uh, I don't know if Randy Orton has, but it's a select few of superstars that have kicked out of a Claymore. And so with that being said, you know, Gunther had a two power bombs on McIntyre. He did not go for the last sympathy in this match, which I thought was a little bit strange, but he hit McIntyre with a bunch of clotheslines. McIntyre hit Gunther with a bunch of clotheslines. Gunther hit McIntyre with a bunch of stuff. They were just throwing bombs at each other. You could see the welts on everybody's chest afterwards. It was a art inning affair. Uh, though I thought his matches with Sheamus at Clash of the Castle and even the one following that up on SmackDown was a little bit better than this match here. It felt a little bit rushed. I did not feel like they get all the spots, in my opinion, that weren't ended for. As Gunther now, in about 30 days, will look to become the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion in history. Which, again, compared to Roman Reigns' reign, looks nothing uh, like it in comparison. But it is still impressive for the ring general, who can go with anybody in that ring. The next match, in my opinion was the match of the night because of the drama. It was the match I was most looking forward to uh, going in because of the possibilities. That obviously being Seth Rollins, Finn Bauer for the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, Finn Bauer did not come out with the Judgment Day. He came out alone because he wanted to prove to Seth Rollins he could beat him on his own. But then, of course, we, we got the uh, interference with Damian Priest, who was teasing, cashing in the money in the bank. And this is where this match got really good. After, obviously, Finn Bauer attacked Seth Rollins before the match from behind. After Finn Bauer dominated most of the match, it was Damian Priest, Rio Ripley, and Dominic Mysterio, who Dominic Mysterio got a perfect curb snuff from Seth Rollins on the outside, which he completely deserved. Uh, but Damian Priest, you know, kept telling Finn Bauer he's going to distract the ref for Finn Bauer to use the briefcase. And every time he'd go to use the briefcase, it backfired on Finn, including Seth Rollins hitting a curb stomp uh, on the briefcase to Finn to finally put Finn Bauer away. Uh, Bauer did end up hitting a coup de gras on Seth Rollins for a 2.9 count that was really close. Almost as close as some of the 2.9 counts that Roman Reigns has been in as champion and arguably closer. But in the end, Seth Rollins ends up walking out World Heavyweight Champion. No cash in from Damian Priest. And now, with it seeming like the bloodline story for Roman Reigns in itself is essentially over as a faction. Now WWE has faction drama over on Monday Night Raw with the Judgment Day. And it's going to be very interesting to see because Rhea Ripley is probably the star right now in the women's division. You have uh, Damian Priest and Finn Bauer and them going back and forth as to who should be the rightful World Heavyweight Champion. Should Finn get another shot at Seth Rollins? Or will Damian Priest and Finn Bauer break up the Judgment Day? Who will turn eel? And then obviously you have Dominic Mysterio in that mix as well. And Triple H said it, you know, last night in the press conference. The difference between the bloodline and the judgment day is that judgment day, unlike the bloodline, doesn't have a queer leader. Roman's obviously the leader of the bloodline, but in the judgment day, is it Ripley? Is it Bauer? 
is it priest? And as he said, we know it's not dumb. Uh, but ultimately, the Judgment Day now is going to be the most compelling television on WWE going forward outside of the bloodline. It'll be very interesting to see the direction they go there. And the question now is, who faces Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship? Because there's not a ton of heel options on the Raw roster. Maybe a Miz or maybe a Brunson Reed or somebody like that can fill the gap for the fall. As I think we get ready for a Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Survivor Series champion versus champion showdown. It's what I predicted if Seth Rollins retains the World League Championship. You know I predicted Rollins to retain, but I thought Damian Priest had a chance to cash in Money in the Bank. That did not happen. I'll tell you who did cash in the Money in the Bank was EO Sky. And I got to admit, uh, the triple threat match for the Women's Championship was not a good match between Charlotte, Bianca, Belair, and Asuka. And I'm not aiding on women's wrestling. I think the woman can put some of the best shows on in WWE or AEW or any professional wrestling industry. But these two specific woman matches for SummerSlam, the triple threat for the Women's World Championship, which is three of the most talented women in the game today, Charlotte, Bianca, Asuka, and then Ronda and Shayna, just did not do it for me. Again, I think Rhea Ripley now is the star of the women's division. Uh, this match could have very easily been on SmackDown to me. It was not a great match. I thought Bianca Belair had almost the sell of the year when she went down on those steel steps. She acted like she completely tore her ACL. She had me and the whole arena fooled that she was legitimately injured. Uh, but then, obviously, coming back in, being locked in the figure eight, while ending up rolling up Asuka after Asuka ended up putting the mist in Charlotte Flair's eyes, missing the kick, Bianca able to roll up Asuka and get the one-two-free. But with Bianca's knee damage, it obviously set up the stage. You knew it immediately for EO Sky to come down, Bailey to take out Asuka and Charlotte, and for EO, Bailey, and Dakota Kai to celebrate as EO Sky became the new woman's world champion. Now, I got to admit, did not like Asuka's champion. I am not looking forward to EO Sky as woman's world champion, or excuse me, as the woman's champion, as Rhea Ripley Mummy as the woman's world championship. I think Raw's roster for the woman is a lot more depth than SmackDown. I think, you know, we will lead to an eventual EO Sky face versus Bayley feud for the Women's Championship, but I think it's going to be a little bit more down the line. I'll be interested to see if we get a EO Sky Asuka feud, or if we get an EO Sky Bianca Belair, or an EO Sky Charlotte Flair feud in there. Maybe, who knows, maybe we run it all back with all four women and make it a fatal four-way. Um, but in the end, yeah, I mean, it was good for EO Sky to cash in the Women's Money in the Bank become the champion. Money in the Bank cash-ins are always cool. They always get the crowd hot, uh, who was not into this match at all. After, again, Rollins and Bauer completely tore the place down. But in the end, EO Sky is now the leader of the SmackDown Women's Division. And finally... Tribal Combat. Now, this, I admit, is one of the worst championship defenses that Roman Reigns has had in a long time. And it's because it lacked drama. 
I tell you, so it Roman Reigns with everything, including a weather strap, kendo sticks, steel chairs. He did everything in his power to take out Roman Reigns. So Sokoa came back down for the crowd and put Jey Uso for a table. Jey Uso hit Roman Reigns with super kicks. He hit Roman Reigns with the Uso splash. He put Roman Reigns for a table. But we all knew that Jey Uso was not going to win the Undisputed Championship because Jimmy Uso would return and cause Jey Uso just like I said it was going to happen. Now, people say this was the wrong booking decision, and I completely disagree, because if you're following the story here between Roman and Jay, it was not about, oh, the Usos always stick together. No, it is about Roman tearing apart the Bloodline family, and Jimmy Uso got jealous that Jay Uso was the tribal chief in winning. He got jealous of what Roman Reigns thought of Jay and not of Jimmy. So now Jimmy can be the heel. Jay can be the face. With Solo sort of going on his own for a little bit before Solo eventually turns on Roman and we get Solo Sokoa versus Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble for the Undisputed Championship while we wait to see who Roman Reigns faces at WrestleMania 40. If you're following the bloodline story and you know WWE storytelling, you knew this was the route they were going to go. Again, this is simple storytelling. It sort of made the match uh, not as good as, in my opinion, a Logan Paul ricochet and the Rollins and Bauer match because of the suspense. Though the tribal chief, we acknowledge him on this channel. He is the reason why we have food on our table. And I thought it was still a good match. Obviously, it's an extreme rules match. Roman Reigns, anything he does is special. As I just said, we acknowledge him. He put Jey Uso in the table for the corner. Michael Cole was granted commentary all night long with Corey Graves. You know, selling it. Saying, why, Jimmy, why? After all they've been through. And it's pretty simple. It's because, again, Jimmy Uso was jealous of the fact of the way Roman looked at Jay, that Jay was main event, that Jay, you know, wanted to be the tribal chief, that Jay really didn't care about Jimmy in the hospital. All Jay wanted was to take down Roman. Well, now that Roman Reigns on vacation, all Jimmy Uso wants is to take down Jay, and we get our main event for payback, which will be Jay versus Jimmy Uso. With Solo Sokoa and Paul Amen, who I thought sold it really hard. And by the way, that guy who screamed in the crowd to it for Jimmy while Jay and Roman were fighting in the crowd. I feel bad for that guy. Uh, but that was a great touch. Good main event to kick or uh, to end, I should say. A very good SummerSlam. I did not think it was a great SummerSlam. I thought WrestleMania was better. I thought the Rumble was better. I thought Elimination Chamber was better. I thought Night of Champions was better. I thought Money in the Bank. I thought Backlash. I thought other pay-per-views or premium live events, excuse me, uh, this year were better than SummerSlam. I thought SummerSlam underwhelmed in a couple of elements. Uh, the hype was there. I just did not think it delivered as well as a big four premium live event usually does. Uh, but it was still a very good show. And we still have some very good storylines. I'm interested to see now where things go. As I trust 
Triple H and his team. If you compare it to last year's SummerSlam, even, I don't think it was as good. Again, I thought it was a good show. I thought it was a very good show. I thought it was a 7 out of 10. But when you expect a 9 or a 10 out of 10 for a premium live event nowadays, the expectations for WWE and their premium live events lately have been so high that it makes SummerSlam look like it wasn't as good as it could have been. And maybe it's because I predicted almost everything right on this card outside of Damian Priest not cashing in in the Women's Championship match, which people were complaining about. You know, when I said it in my preview, people that complained about Becky Lynch and Tristratus, people that complained about Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez, those two women's matches not being on the card. At the end of the day, the card ended at 12.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you could say, well, the commercial. Well, you know what? They're being paid by Peacock, and in Peacock standards, they have to air commercials. Oh, the Slim Jim Battle Royal. Guess what? They're getting paid a bag by Slim Jim, and L.A. Knight had to be on this card somewhere. So I completely understand that. Uh, and there was really, you know, do you really want to cut Roman Reigns the bloodline, the best story you have going for you? Uh, no, Roman Reigns can do whatever he wants. He's the tribal chief. And you can give those two woman matches more time on Monday Night Raw anyways that sometimes has to have filler because it's really hard to air three hours of television every single Monday night. So I thought that was the right decision. As Triple H said, he'd rather have, you know, people earn more opportunities on a smaller premium live events because on these big premium live events, you don't want to have the card go over way too long. So I thought that was the right decision. Those weren't necessarily cut. They were just moved over to Monday Night Raw in a couple of weeks, which again, builds suspense for those rivalries. And allowed those rivalries to build. So I thought that was the right decision. I thought they had the right amount of matches. I thought it was good pacing in general. And it still ended at 12.15 in the morning. Uh, A.M. Eastern Time. I understand Central people, West Coast people don't complain. But you're in the East Coast. When you're watching wrestling for 4 hours and 15 minutes. Uh, that is still a very long show. You know, we may get to the point where SummerSlam ends up being two nights. They're doing a lot of access stuff. They're doing a lot of stuff they usually do for WrestleMania. But I don't think that's in the cards right now. Again, still a very good show. And I was happy I spent my night watching the best form of sports entertainment in the biz. That being WWE. That, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude the Season 7 finale of Brandon's World. Now, thank you guys so much for listening to all the content during Season 7, which started on September 5th, 2023, when I broke down my original 2022 NFL predictions along with I recap the Clash of the Castle premium live event. So we have spent the last year covering all things NFL, all things NBA, all things Major League Baseball, all things college football, March Madness, and all things wrestling. For the first time in the Brain's World Podcast history, in the five years almost that I've been doing this podcast, this is the first year. You know, obviously I was on radio uh, in my college days for three years. And then in the fall of 2021, being able to take this podcast 
for the first time, full time, and turn this into a hobby, and now eventually turning this into a business. Uh, this was the first time in Brand War history that I did not go on a significant planned break. I did go on a little bit of a two-month hiatus during the football season, uh, but that was self-imposed due to me. I mean, a terrible illness. I really could not talk for two months. Uh, as you guys know, in March, we ended up forming a collaboration with Voltage Live, and my partners, Jen Noga and Josh Unger over there, have been incredible. Uh, and, you know, obviously, Josh Unger had a fill-in for me uh, one time in May when I could not do a show. He's going to fill in any time I miss time uh, over the next year so that we keep Brandon's world going all year round. But they have been absolutely incredible. And now thanks to the video element that we have added here to Brandon's world, which if you're watching here on YouTube, again, I completely thank you. Uh, more people are seeing Brandon's world on both audio and video than ever before. I am so excited to tell you about some future projects coming up with Brandon's world and Voltage Live that's going to make this show incredible. Look out for the announcements on Twitter and on social media over the coming weeks, as well as we will be back on Labor Day, September 4th. 2023, that is one day after the five-year anniversary of this podcast. During that time, I will recap the WWE Payback Premium Live event that will take place on that Saturday night. We may talk a little bit of college football, though our biggest focus will be I will be unveiling my final 2023 NFL predictions. Now, on that Friday, my column, September 1st, that I will post on my Substack, which link will be in the description below, that will be, you know, I write out my entire 2023 NFL predictions in writing. And again, I will reveal them on the podcast on Labor Day, as obviously that Thursday, we get into full-fledged week one. Brandon's money line predictions will be back. My best bets will be back. And if you don't know what that is, I I pick every single game for the end of all season, every regular season game, every postseason, straight up who is the winner. I do that every single week. But I also pick five games that are my best bets where I will bet the spread of those games. Uh, NFL season is the most popular over here friends the world. We would spend a lot of time doing all things NFL. I do not talk a ton of NBA from October until February. Once football season ends, then I dive full-fledged into the NBA. Then I'll dive into March Madness. Then I'll dive into Major League Baseball and all the other topics. College football, I do not talk a ton about during September when they're playing a bunch of these cupcake teams. Obviously, unless it's a big game. I mostly dive into college football late in the season. You know, early November late November, obviously, when it's rivalry week, then December, then January. Uh, but for the most part, football season is some wrestling. Obviously, again, we'll preview and recap the big premium live events like we always do. But for the most part now, we are going to go full-fledged into football season. 
here on Brandon's World. I hope you guys are excited. I am excited. Again, thank you guys so much. We conducted for the first time in Brandon's World history over 100 episodes uh, this season of the podcast. And I know that we're going to top that in season eight, which will be from the fall of 2023 into the summer of 2024. I really feel like we have found a formula here on Brandon's World that has worked. I have never looked more forward to recording a podcast than I do now every single week. I'm going to take this time over the next couple of weeks to get in the lab, get better, prepare my NFL predictions, make more right predictions like I did with WWE SummerSlam, where I was right on almost the entire card. I'm looking forward to a great season. Thank you guys so much. I hope you guys enjoy the content. I'll see you guys soon. Once again, we are in collaboration with the one and only Voltage Live. This has been Season 7 of Brandon's World. And peace.